Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and you're in for a treat today because we're going to take up several issues around innovation, around leadership, around board of directors, all in the person of one person, Paul Clayson. So, Paul, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. It's a real pleasure to be with you, Tom. Thanks for uh, considering us and uh, looking forward to this. Paul, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Tom, really, I'm a mutt. I've had several different careers in different aspects. So uh, in college, I was marketing director for a real estate uh, syndication company. I went from there full-time into politics, where I had a great love of uh, public policy, and uh, I ended up running political campaigns. I went to Washington as a chief of staff to a congressman, chief of staff to a couple of congressmen, uh, worked for two presidents out of the White House, spent some time in that political arena, went from there into business, really into investing, wanted to get more deeply into corporate finance, learned corporate finance and investing. Then I want to get on the operations side of what I was seeing in all those companies we were investing in. A dear friend, a phenomenal individual, offered me a position, a senior officer position in a software company. So I uh, took that and ran around the world for a few years getting commercial contracts for speech recognition software. And then from there, I uh, another fellow presented me with some technology that he had, was unsure how to commercialize. And so I, I took that, I, I became CEO of that company, commercialized technology that was in nano technology, nanoscience in uh, surface treatment materials, coatings materials. So took that company forward, developed that company, uh, sold that company, went forward with another nano coatings company, then moved forward uh, from there into helping a lot of uh, companies that investors were bringing to me that needed workout situations done. They were non-performing assets. And the company that I'm with now asked me to come in and just do a little bit of consulting about how we might commercialize their technology, gave them a report. And shortly thereafter, they asked me if I would take this over as CEO. I did a lot of in-depth research and prospects for this company were just phenomenal. And and it's timely. It's got the right product at the right time. And uh, so it's been a great ride and a phenomenal opportunity. Well, we're going to get to uh, the company, Agile PQ, a little bit a little bit later. I was doing another podcast recording this morning with a fraud examiner, and I asked her if you could give two or three tips for fraud detection right now, what would it be? And her right out of her mouth was data and encryption. So this is incredibly timely. It's incredibly timely from the fraud examiner to the compliance professional to the board of directors. And I hope we can explore all of this. But from your perspective, why is it so timely? Well, because computing formats are changing and uh, encryption and security technology has lagged the development of computers. So you've got all of these computers now that are going to much smaller form factors. You've got uh, smartphones in your hand uh, that in the uh, mid-aughts 10, 15 years ago were just coming on the scene, had as much computing power as a server in a full room had 10 years earlier than that. Now you've got very, very small connected devices that do specific functionalities, sensors that can sense everything from vibration to heat to 
moisture to anything you can think of, it can sense it. And they are connected to the internet as smart devices. These are computing devices. And it turned out that existing encryption is way too large to fit on those devices. And so out of 22, 23 billion devices in the marketplace today that are these small internet of things devices, IoT devices, very few of them have security on them. So so that kind of change in computing formats, computing opportunities, computing functionality, collection of data has gone forward in phenomenal ways that bless all of our lives. We just have to catch up with security. So what's your definition of the Internet of Things? It is a computing device that has a processor and memory, but very limited processor and memory that performs a specific function. So instead of being a computing device that's going to crunch all of the data and bring back things like your smartphone or your laptop does, it's going to have a limited functionality. So maybe it's a temperature sensor on a manufacturing floor that senses temperature once an hour and sends that communication from the very small IoT temperature sensor back up to the server where that data is stored and analyzed. And this can be implantable devices in human bodies. It can be a sensor on an automobile that senses when another car is getting too close to you in another lane. Those are all small computing IoT devices. Paul, if I could change the focus just a little bit. You mentioned that you have been brought in to help run several companies. You've been a CEO at several other companies. I wondered if I could ask you for two or three of your top leadership lessons when you're the CEO. Absolutely. Just as maybe a a side note, as I talk about the lessons, people oftentimes desire to be a CEO. One of my sons once said to me, Dad, I want to be a CEO like you because then I won't have any bosses. A CEO has more (laughs) more bosses, more bosses than any, any position on the face of the earth, I think. You are responsible to your board. You're responsible to your shareholders, to your vendors, to your other stakeholders. You're responsible to your employees. You're responsible to their spouses and their families. And that's a very serious responsibility. The things that I've learned as CEO rather than a board member, and I've been on many boards, but the things that I've learned have been a a couple of things. One, your job as a CEO is to get the best people you can. And then your ongoing work is to create environments and opportunities to get the best work possible out of those people and their talents. So it's just like being a coach in the, let's say, in the NFL. Coaches in the NFL succeed by pulling the best talents out of various people in various positions. It's the same way with a CEO. That is your job. You have to work with them. You have to work with different personalities. You have to work with different styles. That's the first, is uh, you have to be very adroit at uh, finding the right teams and getting the best out of them. The second is, from a leadership principle standpoint, is that transparency is your friend. So it does us no good to, if we're having really bad months, and we've had some through COVID, if you're having really bad months, to hide that from employees and to purport that things are better and then all of a sudden have to take draconian measures and people are confused. Uh, what I find is is that every single day, 99.9% of people want to suit up and show up and do the best job they can. If they know the big picture, if they know what's happening, they'll suit up and help others. 
to get their jobs done or to cut back on total staff size and double up on responsibilities. People are very, very good. If you've got the right personnel and the right team members, they're very good. So transparency is your friend. Be transparent about everything. And then I would say the third is that I operate on two axioms internally, and I speak them often to our staff. One is we will make decisions based on our gut feel after we have collected every piece of data we can find to justify that decision. At some point, you have to make a decision when the data may not be 100% clear, but you've gathered as much as you can to make a decision. The second is there is no value in doing well those things which we should not be doing at all. In a startup and in a small company, we can get caught up in the thick of thin things and think that something's important and it never moves the needle. So we have to constantly do gut checks to make sure that that happens. Those are a couple of general general leadership principles that I try to try to espouse and live by. So if I can now ask you about when you've moved up to the board, what's the difference in being a board member, even a chairman of a board, and a CEO? Well, CEO is responsible to the board first uh, and its stakeholders and employees. The board is responsible to the stakeholders and and the CEO reports to the board. So there is a line of reporting. The difference is, is that as a board member, you need to pay attention to fiduciary responsibility to the various stakeholders and constantly check the CEO and the way the CEO is handling other officers in the company to assure that you're getting the best out of them and to look at the metrics that are coming out of the business and see if you're making progress. That is the responsibility of the board. The board has to make tough decisions at times. They need to be able to check the CEO on directions that is taken, uh, he or she are taking the business. The CEO then is responsible to execute, to make sure that things execute, to, to be the in many cases, the face of the company and to make sure that sales are going well and costs are contained, to make sure that employees are hired and then employees are managed properly, to make sure that finances are reported accurately as you go forward. So it's operational and execution versus oversight and fiduciary responsibility in a different manner than the CEO. Now, I'd like to turn to the current company that you're the uh, head of, which is Agile PQ. What led you to becoming involved in this company and actually uh, taking over as CEO? The company has the right product at the right time in the market, and the team had built a phenomenal product. So I was asked to come in by the board to commercialize, take the company forward, and find customers. That's been somewhat of a challenge in this company because as much as people are being hacked and as much uh, as they need security, people haven't always been willing to deploy it. So we've had to do some things to uh, bring the company around to a position where it can be uh, sold. But when I looked at the market, I initially did consulting for the company and presented a report and then was asked to come in as CEO. I did a lot more in-depth research on the markets and where we could take this. And then I, I really became very, very enthused about the prospects. This product is needed. It's just needed. There are so many holes in the security systems among these IoT devices, and we plug those holes. We have just a phenomenal product. So we, uh, in the first year or so, I had to lock down engineering and make sure that we developed a technology into a product 
when we had that product, we launched the product. And over the last couple of years, we've gained about 15 beta customers and deployed the product with those beta customers, integrated, learned what we needed to, improved our code and gone forward and prepared the code to go forward in a full-scale deployment. We're now, just right now, moving into full-scale deployment with uh, larger customers. We will be putting our encryption algorithm into the open source, and then we will be selling the tools where you, you can implement that encryption algorithm. We'll be selling those tools so that people can rapidly integrate it. That's a big step for the company. We haven't open sourced the software code yet, We will be doing that in the next couple of months. So that's a big step to take us to the next step of business development. Who's the target customer for Agile PQ? Yeah, there's many. So one is IoT systems developers, whether they're custom developers or whether they've developed product for a vertical market, like an an energy or utility company or an automotive manufacturer or medical device manufacturer. Those are vertical market products. Some people build communications platforms that can spread across horizontally across multiple markets. Those are all target customers. The vertical market people are target customers. And actually, competitors in security space are good potential customers as well because they have security that really picks up at the gateway level in the IT system and they go up to the server, but they don't really have a full security system that can operate on the smallest of IoT devices. We have that. So we can join with them, license to them our technology to deploy on the IoT, the small device side, and then scale it up to uh, the server and, and back down again. And because our technology also, we built it not only to protect the IoT devices, but we built it so that when quantum computers become a reality, they will be able to process so much data so quickly, they can break many of the encryption systems that are in the marketplace today. So we built our technology to be post-quantum secure. And so we also have a market with people who are simply looking for post-quantum encryption security. So those are all markets for us. Well, how do you have a conversation or how does your team have a conversation with a board member about these issues? Is it a high-level conversation that you need to be looking at two or three points, or how do you really educate a board member on their oversight role in this area? So hopefully the conversation isn't having to explain everything we're doing, because when we do a board meeting, we try to put enough metrics and enough updates in a slide deck for that board meeting that they can browse through that and get a very good sense of the status of the company, status of business development, status of cash flow, status of employees, status of technology development, status of IP protection, all of those kinds of things we put, uh, status of marketing, by the way, we put all of those things in a board deck and have metrics that we try to maintain that are constant from board meeting to board meeting. So the board member knows exactly where to look, exactly what they're looking at, and they can get an idea of progress. When you're first working with a board, you work for a number of months to make sure that those metrics and those visibility tools for the board meet their needs. Once you have them, you deliver those every single board meeting, and then your conversation becomes what isn't working and what decisions do we need to make surrounding that, what the next steps are, what the future of 
the technology development is and what future markets you'll be able to appeal to with versions two and three and four and 10 of your software and of your products. And what is that product roadmap to get there so that they've got visibility into the future and they're seeing the the metrics on the progress of the company. If you've got those metrics set up well, then your discussions lead into the proper areas of how do we fix things that aren't working well and how do we prepare for the future? Paul, I'd like to ask you about uh, exactly that last point into the future. I'm not sure I wrote it down right. I think you said quantum computing, but what do board members, CEOs, and companies need to be thinking about for sort of 2025 or perhaps even further around security and encryption? So the first thing is, is that people have to recognize that hackers and bad actors in the digital world are multiplying faster than uh, in, in many cases than the development of technology itself. These are very smart people. These are smart people who are attempting to steal intellectual property, who are attempting to uh, take over computers for clandestine purposes. In some cases, they're nation states who want to be able to control computing systems and in particular IoT devices so they can create, ma- if there ever were a hot war, a military skirmish, that they could create mass panic and mass concern among the populace, as well as concern among government systems and so forth, if they could sh- shut those down and create uh, problems. Businesses today really need to be focusing on security at every level of the computing stack, from the smallest of the devices all the way up to the server and back. And they need to concentrate on multiple levels of security within each of those systems. So let's say on an IoT, a very small device, it's not just encryption, it's authentication and authorization, it's threat detection, it is making sure that you can deliver accurate and secure keys for the encryption. It's making sure that the transmission layer, the transmission layer security, TLS it's called in the industry, is optimized to your system and that it can securely transmit those encrypted messages. There are all kinds of levels of security that need to be taken into consideration because no one security measure will secure everything from A to Z. So multiple layers is your friend. So people in business today need to be thinking at those. And then the second point is they need to be thinking at these at the level of beginning to develop a product, not after the fact, after they've developed the product and they go to slam security into that small device and they then discover that the footprint is too large to fit on that small device and they don't know what they're going to do. So then they say, well, let's just leave security out for now. We'll have a username and a password and call it good. Usernames and passwords, there's clandestine software available on the dark web that people can go buy and use to crack usernames and passwords very rapidly. I mean, it's very weak security. So you just need to think about it up front and plan it as part of the operational aspect of the device or the computing system or computing product that you're building. Well, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on Agile PQ or any of the topics that you've raised in our podcast today, where can they go? Our website, which is www.agilepq, which stands for post-quantum, agilepq.com. You're always welcome to call me if you'd like. Uh, My mobile number is 
336-380-2800. I know I just invited a whole bunch of spam mail, but we're very committed to get this technology involved uh, worldwide as quickly as we can. Well, Paul, I wanted to thank you for this podcast, although frankly, I'm not sure I'm more terrified now or uh, earlier today, but I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation and I hope perhaps in the future uh, we could visit again. Well, let me know and I'd be happy to do that or even to have you on the on the uh, podcast with our chief cryptologist or others who are just very bright people and have great insight into these things. Happy to help in any way we can. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us on. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.